Hello, this is A Little Deaf, a podcast about sex, relationships, and how it feels to be human. I'm your voice, Alana. So sorry, but I'm going to start by talking about the weather. So it's March, right? And in a lot of places, the weather is temperamental. I'm in Joshua Tree right now, um, and the wind has been gusting up to 60 miles per hour this week. You might be able to hear it in the background. Like, it doesn't matter how many closets and interiors I try to burrow my way into. You just cannot get away from the sound of that howling wind. So the wind, it's strong. It's powerful enough that it's carrying lawn furniture from my house to the neighbor's property and trash from the neighbor's property to my house. And that's especially funny because I need you to know this next fact. I'm staying at a house next to the invisible house, which is like that famous, extremely cocaine chic, fully mirrored house that the producer of American Psycho built and rents out for $5,000 a night. So I'm watching trash blow over from the invisible house, which is either the trash of the producer of American Psycho or the trash of whoever pays five grand a night to stay somewhere. Either way, psychos. And here's the uh, the inside scoop. I've seen three empty bags of cat litter, two empty boxes of lemon lime LaCroix, which I guess not surprising. And I swear I saw something called diet eggs. And I will not fact check that because I need it to be true. So I am thinking about trash. Aside from the junk of the American Psycho Guy, can we talk about digital junk? So that is debatably front and center these days. What with the market cap of Bitcoin being higher than, just an example for context, the entire airline industry by about $300 million. Or JP Morgan and Chase combined, it's three times the size of Disney. So I'm not saying cryptocurrency is junk at all. I'm just saying, I mean, Jesus, that is really something. So digital junk is also front and center because of digital art selling as NFTs right now. Like scammers are copy and pasting JPEGs from MoMA.org and reselling them for thousands of dollars. Or, you know, there's Beeple who sold 5,000 days worth of artwork for 69 million through Christie's two or three weeks ago. I won't hate on that, though, because I like Beeple, and because if anybody is going to profit from a junk economy, then I'm glad it's an artist who has worked hard every single day for 5,000 fucking days. Also, I'm working on NFT artworks of my own, so please believe that buying NFTs is a solid get-rich-quick scheme, and buy my work. Details on the Bad Art by Alana Instagram feed coming soon, and I'm so sorry to plug that right now. But, okay, here's a promise that I want to make to you. If the booming NFT art market turns out to be a bullshit bubble, which like it is, that's hardly even a take. And if you buy something that I make, then we can go in together and just call that sale some kind of performance art. Then together we'll turn that performance into an NFT in the case that a second NFT art bubble pops up. So really it's a win-win or a lose-lose, but either way, it's a good story and maybe just maybe a good investment. And then look, we'll be artistic collaborators. Okay. All right. There are Anyway, so many types of digital junk out there. When we're talking about types of junk, which isn't even touching on the amount of resources used to maintain digital junk at scale, you know, the physical servers that power the means of hosting digital junk, think about the hundreds of Amazon emails that you put into your Gmail archives because the default gesture in the Gmail app is to archive versus send to trash. It costs money for servers to host those millions of emails that just tell you, hey, we got your order and we just want to let you know that we got your order and we'll send you an email once anything happens with your order. There are so many kinds of individual 
digital trash that we carry around, like the files you save in Google Drive that you forget ever existed, or the photos you accidentally took of your thumb in 2012 that are currently racking up storage on your iCloud account. And then there's really nefarious digital junk that justifies entire trash economies, which are supported by junk investments from venture capitalists and powered by companies that produce junk products from junk companies who add junk to tech stacks, which themselves might be mostly junk. I'm thinking here like of startups that try to solve junk problems that they've created so that they can have a thing to solve and then persuade other companies to spend their stupid money on it. There is just like infinite potential for new junk because newer and increasingly smaller layers can always be added into existing junk systems. And that's how ever more e-commerce or digital payment companies can thrive and why systems of money transfer are built on so many junk products and functions that muck up workflows to such an extent that to clean out junk could very well unplug core functionality so it's easier to leave the junk as it is. Maybe new junk platforms are even introduced to manage all of that junk in one place. Can I keep going? It, it's on my mind. So there's also genetic junk that turns certain body parts to junk or opens up the door for junk cells like cancer to muck up bodies. I, I, let me make fun of myself really quick. The internet and servers and phones are also stuffed up with junk content like podcasts that nobody needs. Here's where the diatribe ends and we start talking about sex and relationships and how it feels to be human. I promise that this isn't a polemic. It is a podcast that, I don't know, hopefully somebody needs or at least wants. So let's talk about this meta junk that I've been thinking about, which is junk thoughts. So junk thoughts are basically how your superego talks to you. These are the self-deprecating and cruel and even masochistic thoughts that we have about ourselves. These are the kinds of thoughts that make certain kinds of dirty talk like totally cute. If somebody says like, you know, can I call you a nasty slut while I shove my cock down your throat? I'm just like, sweetie, there is nothing you could say to me that's more cruel than what I tell myself every day. Just like dumb tech stacks that are built with garbage microservices, junk thoughts wedge deep inside the brain and they're really hard to root out. It's hard sometimes to even identify a junk thought as junk when it's woven so deeply into your foundational beliefs and, and values. Junk thoughts, I mean, they come out of garbage emotions like despair, anxiety, or envy that can be triggered by ambient trash like Instagram ads or capitalism. Or they can come from junk foundational experiences that, that have shaped you like weird youth pastors or watching I Dream of Jeannie when you were a kid. In the trajectory of life, which is just about working your way into being a better, more self-aware and more loving human, the ability to simply recognize junk thoughts when they pop up is really a big accomplishment. But what you do with your junk thoughts after you identify them, I mean, that's another story. Some of the thoughts, they really just like cease to exist once you decide to just stop paying attention to them. You know, that could be a junk thought like, the only authentic way to live is to be depressed or like, love is bullshit. Okay, forget it. The only one who benefits from your depression is whoever makes Zoloft and love is absolutely not bullshit. Try acid once and get over yourself. Then poof, those thoughts disappear once identified and acknowledged. I'm, I'm kind of trying to be funny and aspirationally wise. I mean, the truth is that those are honestly very hard thoughts to shake and you should be really proud once you do. You know, everyone has their own junk thoughts that muck up different parts of consciousness. One junk thought might be rooted extra deep in my brain, while maybe it's surface level and easily disposed of for you 
and vice versa. Like I said at the top, I'm in the Mojave Desert right now, and Joshua Tree is famously a place for reflection. I mean, sensitive people for decades have written that the draw to this lonely place is the possibility of solitude and quiet. I mean, quiet, I guess, when you don't have these fucking insane windstorms. Anyway, they say people are always running away from or toward something when they come here. They also say it's a place for taking drugs. Although the one time I took acid here, I ended up stepping on a cactus and pulling pieces of it out of my foot for 10 minutes. They also say this is a place for bouldering, you know, climbing on rocks. Although the one time I went to do it in the park with my boyfriend, I failed to properly spot him and he fell and sprained his ankle, which hurt so badly that I drove him to the high desert emergency room because we thought it was broken, which is kind of cute because one time he drove me to the emergency room because I actually did break my wrist. Oops. Um, this can be a brutal place. Your neighbor can be the American psycho guy. The wind is violent. I've stepped on cactuses more than once. Um, I got stung by a bee here for the first time in my life. The dumb thing was hiding in my shoe and it stung my toe. And I wondered why the stupid goddamn bug did it because it couldn't be worth dying over, which the poor thing then, of course, did. I mean, the life of a bee is brutal too. And the desert is as psychologically brutal as it is physical. You know, with all of this quiet, a mind can easily fall prey to a barrage of junk thoughts. I'm staying out at the foot of a rocky hill in a little homestead that a character actor built in 1950. Uh, it is wonderful, and I'm so lucky to be here on five acres with nothing but rocks and empty space and my guy. I'm here with him, the one I started dating almost a year ago. Objectively, I mean, a year is a relatively arbitrary milestone, but there is a gravity attached to it, especially when it coincides with the year that we've all had. So I'm spending a lot of time outside watching quails run past Joshua trees, just reading and thinking and really often drowning in these junk thoughts that have been popping up as we've approached this anniversary. I mean, I have a lot of time on my hands out here in the middle of nowhere. In some ways, I should have seen this coming. I kind of brought this latest onslaught of junk thoughts onto myself. So there are the ones that are easy to dismiss. Like, what if we break up? Well, then we break up and we both continue to live, having had a great time together for a while. Um, or a thought like, you two are just using each other to cope with the trauma of the past year. I don't think that's true. But if it is, then honestly, kudos to us because it has been a remarkably successful coping mechanism. There are the more difficult thoughts, though, too, that are popping up. And those are the junk thoughts that kind of prey on deep fears and insecurities. You know, the ones that bring up the most revisited therapy topics. Junk thoughts like, you're only lovable if you're fun, pretty, and endlessly accommodating. Or one level deeper, you don't deserve love. Or you fail to be a cool slut or modern woman because you're in a basic relationship that looks more like boring domesticity than independent self-direction and oh my god, you're just your parents. This shit sucks. And I'm telling you this because maybe if it resonates with you, you'll feel less crazy or alone. Not long ago, um, while I was smoking cig a cigarette with my therapist over FaceTime, because that's a style of therapy if you want it to be, uh, she said, wow, relationships are really hard for you. I mean, true. True. 
Relationships can be so traumatic because they so often kick off a barrage of junk thoughts that come out of those garbage emotions like envy or insecurity or, or whatever else. And so often, so often I found that the hardest part of relationships really are those junk thoughts. Um, but here's the most important part, um, the thing I've been thinking about. Those junk thoughts actually have nothing to do with your partner so much of the time. And that is a relief. You know, there are, there are of course times when your partner is a specific trigger for certain junk thoughts and times when your partner might make you feel awful because there's something about the two of you that doesn't line up well. So it's not like any bad thought you have is all in your head. That's not true. But I've got to say, it's been really freeing to notice how many junk thoughts are really not about this moment in time and they're not about me and my person. More often, they're just thoughts coming from garbage emotions or those weird formative experiences from childhood that define the often bonkers narratives that we that we tell ourselves. This is not a new thought, but it is really, really weird that we're all coming up on a big anniversary, which is the you know COVID pandemic anniversary. Whether you're in the desert or not, in a newish relationship or not, you know, this one year is bound to kick off some reflection, which is bound to stir up all kinds of junk thoughts. I should clarify that junk thoughts don't just have to do with relationships and sex, but because relationships and sex tap into the heart of what it is to be human, they're often the most fertile subject matter for junk thoughts. So as a takeaway from all of this, let me offer some wisdom adjacent advice, which hopefully does offer a bit of real wisdom. I don't know, because the anniversary is a big one for all of us. So the, the takeaway, it's this, just be on the lookout for junk thoughts, you know, identify them, keep them at a distance, definitely, definitely do not project them onto the people around you and put them out of your head if you can. And if you can't, if it's a deeply rooted thought, then get curious about it, you know, try to look at it impartially see what kind of distorted story the thought is perpetuating and decide whether or not that story you tell yourself is serving you or whether it's an internal narrative that needs a rewrite. Maybe you also just need to smoke a cigarette with your therapist and talk it out. So to all you lovely people out there, let's try to make this a happy anniversary, not by sugarcoating anything, like really, I I, I deeply mean that, but by deepening uh, self-awareness and the capacity to love ourselves and others. And, okay, one last final note on digital trash. If you work for a junk company or on a garbage product, here is hoping that you can improve it at least a little bit or extricate yourself from the junk economy to do something that feels better. That is projection. I just left a job at an e-commerce startup and I feel like I lost 25 pounds. Anyway, okay, that is a wrap. Please buy my NFTs for so much money. Keep an eye out uh, at Bad Art by Lana Instagram account and be good. I'll see you in the future.